awkward. But then right in the living room, Martha started calling Janet names. And this is the thing about Martha. Like, she starts to lose the whole act because she has this really possessive streak. And she admits to police easily that that was her motive for all of this. She could handle Raymond fawning over other women like Janet to get their money. But what she couldn't handle was him being sexually involved with anyone but her. And in that moment, seeing Janet try to move in on her man, she was not going to let it happen. And just then, as she tells police, Janet made a fatal mistake. Stung by Martha's name-calling, she slaps Martha across the face and tells her, Listen, when Charles and I get married, you're moving out. I'm not going to let you live in my house. At this moment, I mean, fueled with jealousy, and she says Raymond is telling her to keep Janet quiet, she says that she grabbed a hammer and bashed in Janet's skull, seriously hurting her, but not killing her. The Sheboygan Press reported as Janet lay on the floor bleeding, that's when Raymond took a scarf and strangled her to death. So something I can't get over is they've been caught for this one case, but they seem to just be like volunteering information about cases that no one else is looking into. Yeah, it's strange, right? Because I mean, when you think about you know, 1949, it's probably really unlikely that they would have connected them to other cases, but they're kind of just unloading and they're not even done. Raymond and Martha also tell the police what they did with Janet's body. So, I mean, they're basically even handing them the proof of it. So after she was murdered, Raymond and Martha said they stuffed her body in a travel trunk and then spent 10 days in their apartment in Valley Stream with this trunk, basically just searching for a place to hide Janet's body. According to court documents, Raymond and Martha admit that they drove out of state looking before they finally found the perfect spot a little closer to home at a house that they rented in South Ozone Park, Queens. Just like they later did with Delphine and her daughter, the two of them dug a hole in the basement floor buried Janet's body, and then filled the hole with fresh cement. Once law enforcement back in New York get the call from Michigan, that very same night, they rush out to the address they were given, and they start digging. And before long, after digging about five feet down, police find a shroud-covered body that matches Janet's description. The Palladium item reported that it's Janet's stepdaughter, Mary, the person who first reported her missing back in January, who comes to the police station to identify the body. Mary's gut instinct was right. The letter was fake. And by the time she got it, Janet was already dead and her killers were already searching for another target. Mm. As police all over the country start to realize that they may not yet know the full scope of Raymond and Martha's crimes, the media gets a hold of this story, and it makes headlines nationwide, leaving everyone to wonder just exactly who are the Lonely Hearts killers. Before she was helping Raymond lie and cheat single women out of their money, Martha Beck was actually in the very same position. What do you mean? So by the time she was 28 years old in 1947, Martha was living alone down in Florida, divorced at least once, but up to three times depending on what source you read. And she was taking care of two kids fathered by different men. 
Even though she was a trained nurse and actually pretty good at her job from what I read, Martha had two major things in her life that she believed made her less desirable. The first was that she was a divorced woman at a time when it was considered pretty taboo. And the second, she was very self-conscious about her size. Martha had been mocked about her weight her entire life, and it actually followed her long into adulthood. According to Crime Library, Martha was working as a nurse in a children's hospital in Pensacola when her co-workers actually decided that it would be a little funny joke to send off for a Lonely Hearts Club sign-up, like, in her name. So I understand that the Lonely Hearts Club was, you know, pretty popular and well-known, maybe. But was there any sort of stigma attached to it? Especially, I could see it being like, oh, we signed you up for this on a lark. You know, LOL is kind of a joke, whatever. Yeah, so there's kind of this, at the time anyway, there was a little bit of this stigma around having to you know, sign up for Lonely Hearts, like, oh, you can't find a husband the traditional way. Mm-hmm. And that's why when Martha got this ad in the mail, and she obviously knew someone else did it for her, right. it felt like a big slap in the face. Like, she felt totally humiliated. Like, even if her coworkers maybe didn't mean it as a cruel thing, for Martha, it was a reminder that she was alone in life. But as upset as she was by this prank, Martha did decide to turn it around on them. And so she went ahead and joined. The service was called Mother Deneen's Family Club for Lonely hearts. And she signs up. Months went by without any response to her ad. And honestly, like, she got more and more depressed, right? Like, this was supposed to be a joke, and you're joke's on you. But to not be able to then find anyone through this thing really got her upset. But then sometime in December of 1947, Martha gets this letter. And it's from a man in New York City named Raymond Fernandez. And this is back when he was actually using his real name. He didn't call himself Charles Martin when they started writing to each other. He was being honest, at least about his name. Now, Martha was pretty much gone from that very first letter. And they went through the whole process of exchanging letters and phone calls before Raymond actually came down to Florida to visit her. And he liked the way she looked. And she got so swept up in the sexual chemistry. And I have to wonder if maybe for the first time in her life, this is when Martha had a man who made her feel beautiful Mm. and desirable, you know? So did she know about the toupee? So I don't actually know, but if she did, she didn't care. And after Raymond saw that she didn't have anything worth stealing and he went back to New York, Martha actually followed him. According to David Krychek's reporting in the New York Daily News, Martha packed up her two little kids and moved to New York to be with this guy. And here's the thing. Obviously, she didn't have the money that he wanted, but Raymond was actually fine with her living in, moving in with him and coming and following him so long as she did one thing. Raymond didn't want to deal with kids. So he told Martha, you can stay, but you got to get rid of your kids. Oh, no. Well, don't worry. She didn't like kill them or anything okay. horrible oh, like that. Okay. She basically just dropped them off at the Salvation Army, though. And then... Okay, so not much better. Cool. Right. I mean, those poor kids who basically, like, your mom just wants to be with this boyfriend. She's willing to give you up for it. But it's what she was willing to do. So she dropped her kids off, goes to be, like, happily ever after with Raymond. But here's the thing is, like, once she does that, Raymond actually tells her the truth. And he tells her that, you know, his whole thing with these lonely hearts, responses and letters, it's all a scam. Okay, so he was in it 
for Khan from the very beginning. Oh, yeah. Again, he was planning on scamming Martha. And who knows how many people he did before Martha. But he's at least like, for some reason, I don't know why. I don't know if he felt this kinship with her. I don't know if he needed a partner, but he decides to come clean to her. Okay, but do we have any idea of how many women there were before he landed on Martha? No, the exact numbers are really unclear. But here's what's bananas. We do know that Raymond actually had a wife and four kids (gasps) back in Spain this entire time. No. He's also suspected of at least one murder before he met Martha. Because, you see, he went to this place called Cadiz with this woman named Jane, who just so happened to leave him all of her insurance money before dying while they're on vacation together. Now, Raymond was never charged with a crime related to Jane's death, but we do know that he met her through the Lonely Hearts ad, so suspicion is definitely there. So yeah, it's not like Martha and Raymond came up with this together. Like, he'd been doing these scams long before he met her. And, you know, when she learns this, instead of having this healthy reaction and saying like, oh, you're a total creep, like, you're an awful scam artist. Like, I'm going to go pick up my kids and go back home. For some reason, she agreed to pose as his sister and help him. And help him, she did, right up until that fateful night when they were arrested in Michigan. So we don't know for sure how many women they killed together, but they're linked to the death of a widow in Arkansas named Myrtle, who before she died told doctors that she'd been beaten by her fiancé and his sister. Officially, Myrtle's death is listed as a cerebral hemorrhage, though just like with Jane, there were no charges ever filed. That's super shady, though. Very shady. Eventually, though, even with the possibility of these other murders, Raymond and Martha are extradited to New York City and charged with only a single crime, the murder of Janet Fay. The trial starts in the summer of 1949 with the whole country looking on. According to the Dunkirk Evening Observer, Raymond and Martha pled innocent by reason of insanity. Now, even today in 2020, we know the press goes nuts for killer couple stories. Like, I mean, we've talked about them multiple times Mm -hmm. on our show and in the fan club. I mean, we've got Fred and Rose West, the Ken and Barbie killers. But in 1949, this is kind of revolutionary and kind of beyond shocking for the conservative public. And honestly, the way the press talks about Martha, it's shocking because they straight up call her fat. They call her ugly. I mean, pick a mean word. They use it. And I'm not defending anything she did. I mean, the woman was a monster who deserved to be in jail. It was just weird, again, looking with 2020 eyes at these 1949 articles because the fat phobia. Like how sexist the coverage was. Yeah. Yeah. The body shaming is just vicious. And I'm not sure why it was relevant to, again, her being an actual monster. In the end, the trial lasts for 43 days. And on August 18, 1949, the jury finds them both guilty. Four days later, both Raymond Fernandez and Martha Beck are sentenced to death. They both appeal, but by 1951, all of their options are exhausted. On March 8, 1951, Raymond and Martha are both executed in the electric chair at Sing Sing Prison in New York State. According to Crime Library, Raymond is put to death first, and his last words are, quote, I want to shout it out. I love Martha. What do the public know about love? End quote. Martha gives one last statement to the media. She said, quote, My story is a love story, 
But only those tortured with love can understand what I mean. I was pictured as a fat, unfeeling woman. I am not unfeeling, stupid, or moronic. In the history of the world, how many crimes have been attributed to love? End quote. Even after their deaths, the Lonely Hearts killers retain their own cult status in pop culture, with movies and TV shows all inspired by them. The public fascination with their twisted love has lived on long after their bitter end. But what truly matters is that the women that they conned, the women that they killed, got justice, whether we know their names or not. You can find all of the pictures and source material for this episode on our website, crimejunkiepodcast.com. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at Crime Junkie Podcast. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Crime Junkie is an audio Chuck production. So what do you think, Chuck? Do you approve? Ah!